Hi, friends. Welcome to the Brave Enough Podcast. Grab some coffee, sit back, or enjoy your drive, and let's get authentic, real, and into the good stuff. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut, and I'm so excited to hang out with you today, where we're going to talk about life and work and all the messy stuff in between. So get ready. In Season 2, Episode 24, Sasha interviews plastic surgeon Dr. Sheila Nazarian. Now here's your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Brave Enough Show. I'm super excited about today's guest. You're going to love her as much as I do. First, I want to tell you, I know times are crazy. Our world is crazy, but I want to just give you some peace of mind and tell you that it's okay to not always feel great. One of the things that has helped me through life's challenges is a community and having a community. And I have two online communities for women, both of which you may apply to you. One is for professional women called Style Pro. One is called Style MD. You can go to my website, Become Brave Enough, and you can join one of these online communities where you can find strength and connection to other women. And if you don't want to really join a community online, but you would like to have a community, I want to invite you to the Brave Enough Conference in September in Arizona. It's going to be an amazing weekend. Unlike any weekend you've probably experienced where you are going to be connected to other women like you, you are going to be able to earn CME if you are a physician and you're going to leave inspired and encouraged with a tribe. So consider joining the Brave Enough Conference 2020 in Arizona. I would just love to see you there. It's going to be an amazing time. You can find out about that at braveenoughconference.com. Okay, let's get into today's show. Welcome to the Brave Enough Show, everyone. I'm super pumped because today's guest is probably the most busy woman I know. She, The fact that she's made 30 minutes for us to record uh, an interview with her is phenomenal because she is everywhere and she's doing everything. And I don't know how she has the time or the energy to do all that she does, but I have Dr. Sheila Nazarian on today and she's a plastic surgeon and she's an entrepreneur. She's the founder of an organization. She's just amazing. And I've followed her career for several years, but I just recently in the last year would say that I've gotten to know her and What you see is who she is. I mean, she just puts it out there, which comes with a ton of criticism. And I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about just, you know, what it's like to be in the public eye and what it's like to be authentic in the public eye, because those are two very different things. So welcome to the show, Sheila. I'm so excited you're here. I'm so glad to be included. Thank you. Give us the, you know, three minute bio of Sheila Nazarian. (laughs) Okay, well, um, I'm an immigrant. Um, I came here when I was seven years old, didn't speak any English, was in ESL, I had a mustache. Um, (laughs) And I think that like, you know, um, being teased as a kid sort of gave me a little bit of drive. And one of the things I think, looking back, that I think differentiates me just starting off the bat is whenever I have hardship, I always channel it into something positive. Like I lost my mom when I was 16, but instead of doing drugs, I just studied harder and threw myself into, you know, making her proud. So, um, 
I think that's like one thing. Um, and then in my plastic surgery practice, we have our, we have the plastic surgery side, we have the spa, we have an online e-commerce site, the skinspot.com, which, um, is like curated medical grade skincare. We have our conference, which is a nonprofit every year called think big. Um, and I'm just constantly like growing and expanding. And I don't know if it's because I lost my mom, that I just feel like life is so short and you need to sort of like achieve your full potential. Um, so I'm just always pushing myself, always growing, making new connections, listening, reading, um, and creating space in order to be able to grow and learn, um, and just become better year after year. So I love that you just shared something so personal with the audience and, this is just who you are. I mean, people will look at you, a picture of you and have a story that they create about you, you know, like you're this all the time. You're this, you know, drop dead, gorgeous woman who, you know, has the perfect life, the perfect husband, the perfect family, the perfect job. And, you know, if someone were just to follow you on Instagram or on media, they would think that you have an easy life, but you've actually been shaped by hardship and by loss. Yes. And so what do you think it is? Like, how do you, cause I'm sure you have those moments where you go dark, where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm missing my mom today. I wish that my mom was here to see this experience, or I'm sad mm-hmm. that I, I, that this happened to me. How do you, how do you change that? Like, how do you stay up and, and encouraging? I think that Actually, like, I don't necessarily have, like, the dark moments. Um, and I think the reason is is because I have a deep sense of what my purpose is. Mm-hmm. And I think purpose is the best antidepressant. And I feel bad when people haven't found their purpose yet. Because if you feel like you're making real change in the world, influencing other people in a positive way um, and growing, it's, it's almost, like, impossible to be depressed and to go dark. Mm-hmm. The other thing, too, is, you know all of these things of my life, whether it's fashion or doing a TV show or speaking, traveling, all of those things make me a better doctor. They make me more fulfilled when I'm back in the operating room. I'm like, Oh, I'm home. Um, Whereas if I was just in the operating, like the first two years of my practice that I was just in the office and just in the operating room, I burned out. Mm. I was like, this is it. Cause we're conquerors. Right. I mean, we, all our entire lives, it's like, achieve this, move to this step, achieve this, pass this board, pass this test, get into that school. And then once you graduate and you've got your board, you're like expected to just be tunnel vision and operate till you die. And that just isn't enough for me. It's part of me. I love it, but it's not all of me. And it's not the only thing that brings me gratification. So for me, feeling like I have all of these other dimensions to me and that I'm affecting people on many levels in many different ways is an antidepressant. I love I love this because I feel like you're speaking my language because I am so like this. Um, I just, I think that we often put women in, in boxes, like she's a surgeon, she's, she's an entrepreneur, she's a businesswoman. And I know that happened to me in my career. And I Mm -hmm. like really resisted that, but with that became so much criticism. I mean, it, it, it almost was like stopped me from being, I mean, it did for several years. And I write about it in grit and grace about how I lost myself because I felt like something was wrong with me that I had ambition to do other things. Right. And I know that it took me, you know, to a dark place in my life where I really had to go, okay, I, I, I have to get back to who I am because life is hard enough. I can't 
not be who I really am. I, it, it's a lot easier to, I mean, life is hard, whether you're uh, inauthentic or authentic. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, me, I think it's hard both ways. <laughs> yes. Yes. But for me, like it was so much more peaceful. I was at peace once I was pursuing the things that I knew I wanted to pursue. So I don't think, and I think that you probably experience this all the time. I don't think anyone prepared me for what it was going to be like to live as an ambitious woman. Like, I think ambition in women is still in our society really like looked poorly upon and people don't know what to do with it. How do you handle being so ambitious? I think, um, it's, it's different because I had to come to a place and especially as like, you've heard me say this before as a, as a Persian person or, you know, a lot of different cultures, the girl is supposed to be a good girl and liked and patted on the head and told what a great job. And to a certain extent, that's a lot of our self-esteem is being told, especially in medicine too, you know, you have Mm -hmm. to be a pleaser as a woman. And so when you get to the point, you're like, you know what, like medicine is behind the times. I know what's going to make me successful. And when I first started, you know, promoting myself and advocating for myself, I got all phone calls from the presidents of every single plastic surgery society being like, we care about you. Don't do this. You know, you're going to alienate people. And, and for a second, I held myself back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at some point, like three years ago, I was like, why am I doing that? These people don't care about my success. Like they want me to be successful, but not more successful than they are. Mm-hmm. So why do I care what they think about me if they're, if they're wanting to hold me down? And I'm not a bad person. I'm a good person. I, you know, I have a good family. I'm helping people. I know who I am deep down inside. I know what my core values are. And so if I go out and I advertise myself and people think I'm a housewife of Beverly Hills or, or call me that behind my back, they're just jealous, you know, and it's not, and if they could be in the position that I'm in with the success that I've had, they would, they would do that in a second, not caring what other people say about them, especially the men. So it's almost like figuring out, you know, what's important to you. Like, you know, for example, one of my friends called it a Thanksgiving dinner. She said, you know, for me, Thanksgiving is a turkey and some mashed potatoes and gravy. If I don't have the other ingredients on the table, it's fine. Like those are just extras. So you kind of have to know, like, what is your Thanksgiving dinner? For me, it's like I, the approval of my family, self-esteem in myself and confidence in myself and knowing that I'm on the right path and doing the right things. Um And, you know, having my family close by and their approval is my Thanksgiving of my life. And whether I have the approval of my colleagues, um, I would say it's about 70 percent approval now, 30 percent talking behind my back. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But, you know, if I don't have their approval, it's not because I've done anything wrong, taken bad care of patients or, you know, done anything super scandalous. It's just the scandalous thing I'm doing is talking about what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. And the men have been doing it for years, so mm-hmm. why can't we do it? I love it. Oh my gosh, you're. S- I needed. To, I needed this today. <laughs> 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 I, I have to remind myself all the time when I face backlash for being a go getter, or for being different, yeah. or for being ambitious, or for yeah. advocating for myself. I have to remind myself. You know, I'm not selling cocaine. 
Like like shame, the shame associated with ambitious women that society puts on us or our peers put on us or other people put on us is just enormous. It's so people don't realize how much ambitious women are. They're totally shamed. I mean, I've had those phone calls like we care about you. We're looking out for your best interest. No, you're not. You're threatened or you're jealous. And it's been really like self, I've had to really like break it apart because I'm like, Oh my gosh, am I being arrogant? Am I? And I'm like, no, I'm just stating my qualifications or I'm just yes. demanding pay for something that I know I've earned or that I am right. That it, but it's, it's like they use shame. Right. And so I right. have to con and shame is a horrible feeling. Like none of us like that feeling. And so yeah, no. I have to constantly like remind myself like, okay, I didn't, they're not trying to shame me because I just like, you know, shot someone in the back. <laughs> They're shaming right. me for my own success or ambition or my courage to do something different, you know? Right. And so yeah. I love that you are so honest about this. And I love the Thanksgiving analogy. That's such a good analogy. That's going to resonate with so many people. So how do you, um, like handle the online criticism? How do you handle that? Cause I know there's people listening about online businesses or even physicians in general, you know, we get a lot of, we can get one bad review and it's just devastating yeah. to some people. Yeah. It used to be devastating to me too. And I would just like think about it. But my advice on that is like, anytime you get a bad review, it's such a huge opportunity to show how much class you have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always just say, don't reply right away. I can actually reply right away now. Cause I don't even care anymore. Um, but if it's like a real thing, like, Oh, I waited in the waiting room or they rescheduled me three times or something like that. Then you own up to it. And you're like, you know what? We totally agree with you. Come in for a free facial. We've talked, we've, we've tried to figure out what happened up front. Um, we realized this was our bad, you know, and sort of like own up to it. But if it's a crazy person, like I had one, one star review because they were looking for a dermatologist and I'm not a dermatologist. <laughs> it's like going to the car wash and asking for pistachio ice cream and then they don't have it. And you write them a one, you know, a one star review. So, I mean, on those, you just, you just show your class and I've had patients come in and they'll be, they'll be like, I read your one star reviews and I'm just so impressed that you just didn't go off. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. and also the one-star reviews make all of your five-star reviews valid. Yes. So you want some of those. And then the other thing too, that I always tell women, especially, and men too, is one of the huge things about putting yourself out there on social media is that you control your online reputation. If you don't have social media and you're not talking about what you love and who you are and showing your family or, you know, whatever you're comfortable with, even talking about your values, not putting your family on, whatever it is that you feel comfortable with, you are now controlling your online reputation. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you don't have that, your reviews are controlling your online reputation. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to give anyone that much power. Right. Yes. That's so smart. I, I learned that at your conference at the think big conference, I was listening to that conversation and I loved what you, when you said that, because, you know, I think it's very true. I think we live in a world, the truth is social media is here. And we, as in the medical field, we either need to control the narrative and can, and can speak the truth and, and battle pseudoscience that way, or Mm -hmm. we just let whoever run wild with it. And Right. You know, I think it's it's much uh, more efficient and 
much more, you know, caring as a physician even to control the narrative yourself because there's yeah, so much Yeah, and the other thing falsehood. too is like, you know, especially outside of plastic surgery, I see, you know, eight patients a day on my consult day. I want to give an hour for each surgical consult because it's a big decision and that's mm-hmm. their body. But for people who have to see patients every 15 minutes, which is the majority of physicians out there, social media is a way that people are connected to you when you're not actually spending an hour in the room with them. Mm-hmm. So they'll come They'll come in. My patients will come in. Even if I'm just like peeking in, they're getting a facial and I did their fillers the week before. I'll just peek my head in to say hi. And they're like, oh my God, Utah looked amazing. Or like, you know, they right. just feel connected to you at right. all times. Right. And that keeps people loyal. Yes. And I think it also humanizes us as physicians because, yes. you know, I think it's really funny because my mom you know, my mom loves her physician and she'll come, she'll always call me after she visits her primary care doc and she'll say, she's about my age, her doctor. And she'll Mm -hmm. say, you know, we have such good conversations now because of you, because I realize like doctors are normal people. So they have kids, their kids get sick. They have struggles. They lose a family member. Um, they have outside hobbies and interests. And I think that it also allows people to see that we're humans and that we actually like grieve and we, um, have families that we are struggling to be there for and we're balancing all these things just like they are, you know? Right. Right. So, okay. So how, I mean, there had to be a point or did you always know, like, I'm going to own my own business. I'm going to do this. Or was there a point where you were like, I'm going to be the good, obedient plastic surgeon who's going to join this, you know, academic group or practice with a bunch of people? Yeah. I mean, it was really hard for me to cut the umbilical cord for sure. Um, I wanted to please them. I wanted to, you know, take an academic job, kind of keep in the family. I was so, you know, I felt like very patted on the head that they, you know, wanted me to stay or were even Mm -hmm. considering, you know, having me stay. Um, but I had three kids during residency. So my husband was just like, even if you do a fellowship, like I'm going to lose my head, you know, <laughs> like you've yeah. been missing an action. You've been like MIA mom for, you know, eight years. You need to like stop now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, that was a really hard decision for me. And opening up shop was um, very scary because I was, you know, running on fumes for eight years with that, with those cortisol levels. And then you come out and the phone's not ringing. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I remember crying, going for a walk with him and just being like, I don't want to be a stay at home mom, or, you know, I want to be busy. <laughs> right. And he's like, enjoy this time. You're going to be so busy before you know it, like enjoy this time, take a break. But the truth is I don't enjoy breaks. Like mm-hmm. even if I travel, which I do a lot of for speaking, it's always kind of work related. So it's like, productive breaks, which is kind of my, in my realm. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I just, how I, how I function. So take us through a typical day. Oh my God. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, this is like, people ask me this which question day? all the time and I never ask my guests this, but I'm trying, I'm going to ask you because you are like busier than myself. And when people ask me this, I laugh. Cause I'm like, I don't have two days the same. I never wake up and have the same schedule. Cause I'm an anesthesiologist. First I of all. know. I mean, I you're, know, you're probably the same and I have, you know, my own business. And so there's just never yeah. a day where I wake up and I'm like, Oh, at this time I go to the gym. And then at this time I get coffee. Oh my God. I know. <laughs> Actually that, that part of my, my mornings are pretty regimented. Like I travel about twice a month for speaking. So I just, um, I was in Miami last week. I was in Utah yesterday. Um, but this morning, usually what happens is I'll wake up and this was a big aha moment for me too. Like I just start all my days at 10 o'clock. 
I'll start mm-hmm. surgeries at nine o'clock and I start my clinic at 10 o'clock. And that's so I can take my kids to school every morning. And that's that was awesome. kind of like one thing. Yeah. And that was like a big thing because surgeons, like you have to be in the operating room at 7 a.m. Oh, yeah. Like that's yeah. how it is. Yeah. And at some point I was like, wait a second why do I have to be in the room with seven? You know, I'm making my patients wake up at like three in the morning Yes, right. <laughs> in order to be there by six. So I can be in the operating room with seven. So I start my cases at nine. That means my patients wake up at seven. They're here by eight and they get operated on at nine. And it's just like a lot more humane and a better experience for them too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get to drop my kids off at school and sort of check in with them every morning. Um, so then I get here on Mondays, um, like today, is um, my administrative day. So I'll do podcasts, I'll do interviews, I'll do TV, I'll see influencers um, in the office. So it's kind of like my day to just catch up or do press. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll do business meetings, you know, with device companies, business meetings with my own staff. I'll train my staff usually for one, one hour, um, on a different device or on a different procedure, or even like how to greet people when they walk through the door. Um, so that's Mondays. And then Tuesdays and Thursdays I operate and Wednesdays I see new patients and Fridays I do like injectables and clinic and things like that. And then every Saturday and Sunday right now we're at a bat mitzvah because my kids are that age. So (laughs) (laughs) You are so busy. I know. I know. So I love that you do so much media because you're such a good voice in the media for the medical professional professions and just all of us. And I love that you're like, you're out there. You're, you're, you're such a hot topic. Um, everyone wants you on and you're even, I know, I don't know if you can talk about it or not, but I know you have some upcoming, some fun things coming in your future. No, we do. I can't say what network, but we do have a TV show coming out soon. It's eight episodes. That's amazing. Um, It'll be in over a hundred countries and 30 languages. So it's going to be pretty life changing. And I honestly feel like it's the first time in my life that I can't really study for it because I don't know what's coming. I know. So how are you feeling about this? Are you, I mean, it's been a two year project, so I'm kind of, you know, you've been, I'm excited for it to finally come out, but I honestly don't even know what, what's going to come of it. Like, and at this point, you know, I feel like I've sort of, um, you know, we have a successful practice, which we're constantly working on. Don't get me wrong, but I'm kind of like ready to live outside of medicine a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like I'm ready to go to film festivals. I'm ready to like do some red carpets, you know, things like that. I think it'll just be like super fun. Well, I think that what I'm hearing when I hear you talk, um, you are such a learner. Like I know I, I can hear yeah. this. So I think you're probably looking at this as like something new you're going to learn, something new you're going to mm-hmm. grow. Have you ever taken the Enneagram? No. Oh my gosh. You got to take the Enneagram. We'll talk later off. Okay. (laughs) It's so interesting because it's about your personality and I've learned Uh so much about myself and I'm wondering what number you are. I think I know in my head, I'm not going to say it because I don't want to influence your, your test. Well, I've done that other one where it's like ENT, that one. Yes. Yes. This is really cool. I think you would like it. I'll send you the information. But when I hear you, I know that you're constantly growing and learning and educating yourself. And to me, this next step is like a new area of growth that you're going to be educated and you're going to learn and you're going to be able to teach others because you're a teacher. Yeah, I am. You, I mean, you teach a lot of stuff on social and I love how you do that, you know? Yeah, it was cool. I was actually teaching um, labiaplasty this weekend. I did a social talk and then I did a labiaplasty talk and two of the doctors in the audience reached out to me and they were like, I want you to do my labiaplasty. How do I schedule? And that was you. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, okay. 
Okay, from Utah. I was come like, to oh, that's a new one. That's so sweet. Okay, we'll schedule it. <laughs> that's amazing. But I think that's like another thing, you know, like I just feel like as women, it's just like we're just told whatever you have is normal and just live with it or, you know, and that's another like really empowering procedure because they're not doing it for anyone else. Right, right. Um, and it, just, it has like the complete opposite reputation. Right, exactly. So to, to empower people, to, women especially, to take the you know, horns on their sexual health right. is a new conversation too. Yes. So it's kind of interesting. And they're all like super successful type A women who feel like they're the only ones because they can't talk to anybody about this. And right. they like work out, you know, like it's just interesting. It is interesting. And it's, it's interesting too what we, the stories we tell ourselves, like, well, yes. if I do this, then that means I'm this. But if that's what you want to do, like, I mean, it's, yeah, and, and it's safe. And, yes. And even my, you know, I've had friends who are like, literally they've come to me, like they're going to share the biggest secret of their life. And they're like, I'm going to get a rhinoplasty. And I'm, I just yeah. want you to be upset with me. I'm like, what? Why, Why would I be, would I be, upset, with you? <laughs> be upset with you? Like, get it. They're like, well, I'm just so scared. You'll think I'm shallow. I'm like, no, that is the story that you have created in your head. Exactly. You have to just stop that. Like, but we do this as women, right? We have so much yes. pressure on ourselves that we create our, a story that's oftentimes thoughts that aren't true. So, exactly. Okay. So, tell me as we wrap this up here, what advice would you? So, say someone's listening. There's a there's a woman listening. I know there is who is feeling like she wants to pursue a new business, or she wants to right. pursue a new degree, or something different that's totally outside of what she is doing right now. But she's afraid, and she's scared, and she has the fear of failure, or even the fear of succeeding. What would you? What's the one piece of advice you wish that somebody would have given you earlier? Um. Well, the one piece of advice that I would give to anyone is like, don't be afraid to ask for help. Mm. So reach out to someone who's done it before. And people reach out to me all the time. But the other thing is people were reaching out to me so much that I started the Think Big conference. And I was like, listen, we can all be in a room. We'll keep it small. And we'll just go on this journey together where we discuss business things on day one, um, social media, branding, um, employee theft, like all of the things that, you know, mm -hmm. we need to think about as business owners. And then the second day, it's kind of like what's holding you back, which is, you know, resonates, I think a lot with, you know, your conference, which is so awesome. Um, but it's sort of like, let's, let's get it out there. Like what were your failures? What, you know, and let's just, let's just talk about it. And what's cool is, as you've experienced also with your conference is it's kind of like camp. It's more than just a conference. It's kind of like magical and you maintain those relationships with people and you can hold each other accountable mm -hmm. and continue to grow on the business end for my conference throughout the whole year. So if you read a book, that's really great. Share it with the group. If you, you know, accomplish something, share it with the group. And it's sort of a business forum where we can all grow together and learn together because mm -hmm. half of it is knowing the business skills. Half of it is not letting yourself hold you back. Yes. I love that because we are often our own worst enemies, as you know, hundred percent, and our thoughts know that play on replay. So that's why I wanted to have you on because I knew that you would empower other women entrepreneurs or other women that are thinking of an idea or a dream to just 
go for it and to really be authentic and to not be afraid to be ambitious, but just to embrace their inner power. And I'm so thankful that you were on today. Tell everyone where they can find you and follow you. And if, if you don't follow Sheila on Instagram, you have to, because she's, it's so fun. Her, she's very creative. You have a very creative side and I love following you because it's so artistic. So tell us. Thank you. So I have um, like five Instagrams. <laughs> I know. I know. I never know which uh, one to contact you or like message on. I'm like, yeah, Wait. I mean, the main one is like uh, Dr. Sheila Nazarian. So Dr. Sheila Nazarian. Um, but from that, you, you know, you can go into the bio and, and follow like the surgical one, the spa one, the conference, which is Think Big um, or the skincare one. So basically the big, the main one is Dr. Sheila Nazarian. And then from there, you can sort of explore the other pages um, and see which one sort of interests you. Love it. Well, thank you so much for being on and I hope everyone really enjoyed this session and as always, live brave. This has been an HSG production. 